Brilliant. Um, great to be with you, with, with you this morning. It was also great to be with the, with the gentleman on Friday night. Um, a, really good, uh, a really good time. I think most people that were going were aware that it was going to be good and it would be encouraging, but they probably wouldn't get much sleep. I knew it would be good and encouraging and I might get better sleep. Uh, <laughs> not being woken up a few times in the night by our, uh, by our son, Ben. So I'm feeling pretty... Uh, pretty fine from that. It really was a... In fact, I, I'm still staying at the camp. Uh, <laughs> do, do pray for Karis. It's, I don't know if you're really enjoying this Mark series. I am. Uh, it's a privilege to open God's Word always, um, but it's, I really enjoy that we can track with this a little bit. Just to, just to remind you that there's a whole bunch of resources. We've got a new one this morning. Mark's marvelous book, Learning About Jesus Through the Gospel, uh, focused a little bit more um, uh, on the all-age range there, um, so do have a little look at the stuff at the back. There's also some top stuff and, and stuff for teenagers um, to help you get into um, into Mark. Uh, this morning, I, I want to ask, uh, who is in control? God. Brilliant. Right, should we come forward for ministry, everyone? <laughs> Phew. If I, only I could have figured it out that quickly. Um, there's, genuinely, I wish I had. Um, who is in control? Uh, and the, the answer probably seems quite uh, straightforward, and I, and I hope it will be by the end of this. Um, but I wonder if we slip into um, trying to take control ourselves. Uh, and, and God really wants to hone in on this for us as a church this morning and maybe for you as individuals. I wonder who has the control in your living room. If you have a living room, if you're not sleeping under the stars uh, and you've got a TV, there's all sorts of really trashy stuff on at the moment uh, and will cause all sorts of, you know, are you going to watch Croatia, Nigeria? Are you going to watch Love Island? Britain's Got Talent. What are you going to watch in your home? Who's in control? Who has got this important device? You know, we, li- such a, we live in such an on-demand culture, don't we? There's such an on-demandness. That was some of the refreshing about um, having Nick steal our phones on Friday night. Uh, so we weren't allowed contact with the outside world. We, we didn't have the on-demand. We just had to wait for stuff to happen. We just had to, there's something refreshing about that. I've been reading a book about a guy who sets up a community in a, um, in a, in a woods and, and, and they live off the land. And, and there's something where you can't force it when you're relying on the stuff that you can't even see for your food. There's something about, uh, about the way that we have built uh, our lives that is quite sterile, uh, and we, we can have access to the things that we want pretty quickly. You want some fresh water? Hopefully most of you could access that this morning really quick uh, and, and without too much problem. There wasn't a battle for it. Uh, you want uh, the latest box set. Maybe some of you are subscribed in a way that you can. Just get access to entertainment like that, however you want. You can consume all that you want. We've got all sorts of supermarkets. There's, there's something where we have a lot of control. We can control our diets. We can control so many things. But sometimes that can seep into our mindsets. Uh, and, and there are times when control, when we have control, is, it's not helpful. Uh, and, and this morning is one of those times for me. Um, I kind of fluffed my sermon prep this, this, this time. Uh, I did more prep than I normally would be, but I probably didn't do it in the right way. I didn't pray as much as I should. So, so I've had to do a last-minute rewrite because I let control get in the way. I wanted to control where we were going with this. I'd looked at the passage. I'd studied it. I got excited about some of the things that I was going to say. But um, my agenda got in the way. 
Uh, and so uh, if this doesn't come across clear, it's, it's because I'm rewriting it as I talk. So I'm hoping it's going to be a really good sermon. I'm looking forward to listening to it back. Um, <laughs> But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and before too long, we'll get straight into the Bible so that at least, at least, we've had some scripture, even if I garble the rest. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Who is in control? There's the question. Uh, in fact, I think what we'll do uh, to start with is some ministry time. I know we normally do ministry time at the end. Uh, I think it's important to do ministry time uh, now. Um, just in case it helps to clarify for us some of the stuff that's, that's got in the way. Um, so if you're able to stand, why don't you stand? <clears throat> Thank you so much to those who are watching online and after this, you might want to do this at, at home, but I just sense that we need to go after some of the stuff where, where we are exercising uh, too much control in our lives. The stuff for you where you're really passionate about the end result. You've got your eyes fixed on an end result of something and it is really important to you. And you, you've, you've taken something that God gave you or that, that God wants to give you and you've taken it for yourself or you've taken it in your timing or you've, t- you've got your own agenda around something. You're determined to dictate. That's the, that's, the, that's the phrase I'm using this morning. You're determined to dictate. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and, and very quickly just to, to show you if there's something, an area of your life where you are determined to dictate and it's, and it's causing a little bit of, of tension and friction between you and God. Because there's some richness about having a freedom with what God's giving us. Uh, but if we get our hands on it too much, it's not going to be helpful. So Holy Spirit, I just pray in this moment that our hearts would be open to you wherever we have got stuff that we've begun to hold on too much, whether it's relationships, whether it's families, whether it's a hope or a dream, whether it's something you provided for us or a, um, an achievement that we've had in the past that has become too important. Would you just, would you just prompt us about that now? So you might just get a little word in your, in your mind. It might just be really clear. It might be just a, a bubbling up uh, and a stirring. And, and whether that's, this is helpful for you in this immediate moment or whether it's as God speaks to you more this week, uh, I'm just going to lead you in a, in a prayer. We're going to go after control and say we don't want that. So you just pray this in your heart. God, I want to say I'm sorry for believing the lie that I need to control this. God, I want to say that I'm sorry for my behaviors rooted in that lie. I don't want to control this. I repent and turn back to you. I want you to be in control. I give this precious, important, painful thing, whatever it is, whatever those words resonates, back to you. And I surrender. I surrender. 
I receive your forgiveness. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you taken our sins from us. Thank you for what the cross means about this that I've handed over to you. And would you replace in my heart around this a light touch, a surrenderness. Show me how to relate to this that's important to me and lead me on in a healthy way. And maybe just wait, just wait for a moment. It might be that God wants to just say something about this thing that's important to you because he loves you and he understands why it got so important and why you got so caught up in it. And maybe there's some pain involved there. Just wait because the Father loves you. The Father loves you. Some people need to hear that this morning. The Father loves you. So often control comes when we lack love, where there's an absence of a loving Father and we control things. So maybe just say, thank you, Father, that you love me. Maybe he wants to say something specific to you in this moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And just as you're ready, you might want to just take your seat. We're going to continue on. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. If I could encourage you to really engage with, um, with some of the stuff that God's just spoken or, or maybe towards the end you want to come forward specifically about that thing that you've, you've prayed about. And, um, you might find a new level of freedom and a new amount of breakthrough in that particular area or with that particular relationship as you, as you let go. It's, it's just the principle about when God has hold of it, it's, it, it's, in, the, it's in the best place. When God has hold of it, it's in the best place. That doesn't mean it's going to go easy. It doesn't mean there's not going to be pain. That's some of the reason that we get in control, into control and controlling habits because stuff gets painful. And we want to we, we we have control over it. We want to avoid pain. Uh, and, and the temptation can be that we, that we try and fashion ourselves, as Matt Redmond says, a more comfortable cross. We try and shape faith and our walk with Jesus into comfort and security and... Um, uh, actually, surrender sometimes looks um, like courage and boldness and all of those kind of things. So, great. So, we're trying to ta avoid taking matters into our own hands. Uh, why don't we uh, turn to Mark 6, if you can. We're going to be starting from verse 30. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab one from over here. Um, my apologies that um, the one that we've got on the keynote isn't going to be helpful for us this morning. It's, it, uh, there's a little bit of a mix-up and we've got the wrong translation. I think it's, it, it's not going to help. So um, we're going to read either from your screens or from, I'm going to read here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you would speak to us through it. <clears throat> so it says in verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. They'd just been sent out um, two by two to do the Jesus stuff. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, 
Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Sorry, actually, if we could not have it on the screen, that would be because I'm reading from a different translation. Thanks. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Uh, it could also be translated a, a desert place. A place, it's not the kind of place where you would build homes or a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a quiet place, a place away from people. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Don't you just hate that moment when you're trying to avoid a whole bunch of people and sometimes, somehow they found you, they find you again. You're feeling at your end as well. And you need some rest and yet they find you. I have that every day with my kids. No, I'm joking. <laughs> How did you find me again? <clears throat> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> that was not helpful. Um, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. I love Jesus. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Another, uh, another gospel talks about being distressed. They were distressed. So he began teaching them many things. I love that. They're needing, they're needing some leadership and he teaches them. I think so often we want leadership from people. We want leadership from God. And he wants to teach us to lead ourselves. I think there's something about that in this, in this passage. He teaches them. He's like, you, you, you're lacking direction. You're lacking clarity. I'm going to teach you some things. I'd love to hear that sermon because so often I find myself in that situation where I'm just feeling like I need, can someone just lead me, please? Was that just me? Just me, okay. Um, so, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five. And five fish or two fish, what was it? I can't remember. <laughs> five and two fish. When Jesus told them, to make, then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave thanks and broke. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute them to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Wow. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Uh, so there are many things that we can take from this passage. Uh, God knows not to mess with 5,000 hangry men. I mean, there's hungry men, and then there's hangry men. I mean, these men could have been hangry. If it, we did about a 45-minute journey on, uh, on Friday, on the, on the fire night, just from where we parked to where we were going to sleep. Uh, and if we got there and there wasn't going to be any food, you would have got hangry. You would have got 30-odd hangry men. Thankfully, the sausages were all ready and it was all really well coordinated. Uh, and we straight away just tucked into some sausages. But here in this situation, we've got a bunch of people who've walked all the way around a lake. They're following after this man. They're desperate for a leader. They're desperate for some, someone to take control, probably. Uh, and, and then 
they, they, they hear a whole bunch of teaching and they get hungry. Um, and so, you know, Jesus knows it's, it's, it's a good thing for people to eat. We could, we could look at it on that level. Uh, but there's some context that will help us to, to understand a little bit more uh, of what's going on here. Uh, and a little bit more why control and surrender can be a hard thing. So the backdrop to this is actually that there's a whole bunch of, of, uh, a whole bunch of the community of Israel, the, the God's people, who are actually in disarray. One of the reasons that they're sheep without a shepherd is because they had looked to a man called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has just been beheaded. So as far as a movement goes, as far as all that they were hoping in terms of liberation, they're, they're under Roman rule, uh, which is pretty heavy. Uh, and they're hoping for liberation. They're hoping to be able to um, live free. They're hoping for some liberator like a Moses someone who's going to get rid of this oppressive regime, they want change and they want someone to sort it out. I wonder if that's where you are this morning with the stuff that's, that feels heavy for you. you. You just want God to come in, sort it, and take it off your plate. Please, God, can you, just, can you take this situation? Can you take this scenario at work? Can you take uh, the way that my family's functioning or not functioning? Can you just sort it? And yet there's been religious persecution, and the person that they'd looked to had been taken out. Uh, you can read more of that, that story um, in the Gospels. John the Baptist has been taken out. And it not only affects the whole um, the crowd, all the people that had we, we studied a couple of weeks ago, they've gone out and been baptized by John the Baptist. This is someone who was a significant figure in their lives, a father figure maybe, someone that they could learn from, that they could follow, and they could model their life around and, and it's gone. And maybe they're worried, maybe there's fear that, well, if, if they kill John the Baptist, maybe they're gonna come after us. You see something of this context, it's quite a volatile situation for them. And so they're like sheep without a shepherd, they're distressed and they're wanting someone to come and help. So that's some of the context. The people have been impacted, but also Jesus has been impacted. Jesus has been impacted. As you read this in some of the other Gospels, you see that actually Jesus is trying to get away from people. It says, as soon as he heard about John the Baptist, he went to a solitary place. He goes across to try and get to a solitary place. Because Jesus knows that he needs the Father to be present when there's pain. He knows he needs the presence of the Father when there's pain. He needs just some time to process. This was his cousin, this was also the forerunner for his ministry, this is, and yet he'll know and he'll taste in some of that, that this is where he's heading. He's also going to be persecuted to the point of death. And so he's in distress. And what I love about Jesus, one of the things that I love about Jesus is even in that moment when he's hoping that he's going to get a breath of fresh air, finally get some space, everyone follows and he has compassion. And I find that a challenge. I find that a challenge because when I'm at my end, uh, and it happens regularly, uh, when I'm f feeling th the pressure and, and I'm trying to look after family, kids, ministry, all these different priorities, whatever it is, I'm like, right, I've got a moment of quiet, and then someone kind of knocks on the door or someone sends a little message or whatever. I'm like, forget it. I've got some stuff to do. I've got, I'm, I'm having my time. I wonder where your areas of pressure are. I want to say that God can minister through your mess. God can minister through you even in the pain of what you've seen or what you've had to carry, even in that place. 
if God is leading that way and if the Spirit is, is present for you to do that. So, so sometimes we can make excuses why we're not going to go into messy situations or we're not going to help people in a vulnerable place because we've got our own stuff. And I think Jesus models something here about what God can do when, we're, when, when our brokenness is available to him. When our brokenness is available to him, it's quite exciting what he can do. So we've got this situation where there's a whole lot of distress and there's a whole lot of people who are wanting Jesus to be a certain thing. This is what's interesting about this, this passage is that actually when it comes to solitary place, I've always thought of the feeding of the 5,000 as like a family picnic. Like everyone sits down and we're all having a really fun time and we've been listening to Jesus and we've all been meek and mild and he's been saying some wonderful things and we've been sat around with our families just nodding to each other and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the children have been sat with their lap, you know, hands on their laps and it's just, been, it's just been beautiful bliss, just like in the Cowling's house most mornings. Um, it's just wonderful. And then they're hungry and then this miraculous, like, like God just, Jesus feeds them and it's amazing and the disciples are involved in the miracle and he, he's equipping and empowering and I, you know, I thought it's amazing. Um, but actually, the reality is it looks less like uh, a picnic. I think we've got some images here. I'm so sorry, I've not given a, a very good um, instructions to our media team. So. Um, it looks less like this kind of picnic and a bit more like a revolution. A bit more like this next picture. Oh, that was me. Yes. Uh, a bit more like an uprising. Actually, the solitary places outside of the towns were often the hotbed for the zealots, for people who were, were thinking about an active, violent overthrow of the Roman rule. So when we think solitary place, it's not like a little Cleve Hill uh, where they just get their sandwiches out. Actually, it's the place often where uh, a whole bunch of people who were disenfranchised and disturbed and messed up went to try and plan and to try and say, look, they got John the Baptist, let's take them out. We're done. I'm done with this. We need a leader. We need someone who's going to go and take, by, take them by force. And actually, we see in John's account of this same thing, that after Jesus has done all this talking, they've had the food, they try and make him king by force. This is not a picnic. This is an uprising. This is a whole bunch of people who've all got their control issues from a painful place and want to make something happen. They want it in their time. They don't want to take their cross. They don't want to go the way of John the Baptist. And they don't want to go the way that Jesus is going, even though they don't know that that's where he's going. And what does he do? He breaks bread. He breaks bread as a little foreshadow of the things that are to come so they can look back and go, hang on a minute, wow. He was showing us even then, when we brought all our agenda and all our passion and all our drivenness about doing stuff in our time and making it happen, he was showing us about the power of brokenness. About the power of brokenness in God's hand. And my challenge this morning is, is that we would be a broken people and not a bitter people. Because there's a whole bunch of people on that hill who were bitter because of what happened, and that's often when control happens. We're bitter about what's happened or what's not happened. And we've determined that something isn't going to happen the way that we want it. And we're defeated. And so we take things into our own hands, quite literally. Take matters into our own hands. That's what the people wanted to do. They wanted to go and start an uprising. And it was going to end in 
a death of a whole bunch of people. And Jesus said, no, it's going to end in a death of one person. I'm going to die so that liberation can happen. It's not going to be in your hands, in your timing and, and, and the way that you're thinking. And I think it would help so many of us today to be reminded that if, if the Father is absent in our pain, if we have not taken our pain to the Father, we're in danger of getting, putting a whole lot of energy into something he's not putting energy into. We're in danger of avoiding some uncomfortable situations that he's calling us to. We're in danger of not being a light in dark places because we're trying to fashion ourselves something more comfortable. I need a drink and you might need to think about that for a moment. Uh, on a scale of one to five, so you can show me with your hand, how clear is this? Five, one. Was that thumbs up or a one mic? Oh, great. Phew. Whew. That was going to take another 20 minutes. Great. Let's go to Colossians 3, if in doubt. Actually, we do have this one on the screen, so we'll... Um, if we can re read that from the screen, thanks. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power and honor and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ, with God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. This is fast-forwarding a little bit to the reality of who we are now, the reality, but also the encouragement. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And this is the best antidote in some ways to a life of controlling. If our minds are on things above, it's one of the things that Jesus was trying to do to get away from the, the pain and the challenge. Get his mind again on things above with the Father. Get some time to, to do that. Now, now, the way he did that would have been very different to us and, and, and the need different because he was perfect. Not, but he felt like a man. He would have felt the pain like a man. And yet, so our challenge is to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Uh, and, and sometimes that will mean... Uh, that it gets, it's, it's difficult. That will mean that we have to go places that we wouldn't rather, we'd rather not go to. And so that Colossians 3 passage I find helpful. The set our minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There's something about that, about true authority, true control. Heaven, heaven's governance, heaven's agenda, the kingdom plan, breeds confidence for us. It breeds confidence for us. So when earth situations and circumstances make us panic and grab hold, if we set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, there'll be a confidence that comes in surrender. There'll be a confidence that comes. So our options today are to control, which means we're determined to dictate, or to surrender, which is actually determined by devotion. We're determined by devotion. It's in our devotion to God that our life gets determined. 
and how we, how we live gets determined. And so, it's Father's Day, uh, and I think the, the last thing I want to, to, to say is it, we need to spend time with the Father. We need to spend time with the Father. And then our, all the stuff that God wants to do in liberation, I'm not saying we don't get caught up in some important liberating things, but that's from a place of surrender, not a place of anger and, and, uh, and, and our, own, our own time period and all that kind of stuff. But if we're spending time with the Father, if the Father isn't absent in our life, then the stuff that we set our hearts to will make so much more sense. Should we stand? So I think we're going to go um, really foundational, fundamental, straightforward. Um, we need the Father's love. It's Father's Day, and boy, do we need it. We need the Father's love. And we need it as individuals, but we also need it as a church. I couldn't help but notice some similarities between our situations and circumstances as people that we'd look to in the leadership and life of our church aren't here anymore. There's such a danger of making leaders into the fathers that, aren't, that we're not supposed to be. There's such a danger for that and to feel like sheep without a shepherd when stuff around that changes and, and happens and there's such a danger of making leaders into something we want them to be rather than following our Father in heaven. So please don't do that with us as a leadership team. Please don't do that. Please don't do that with people around you. If the Father is absent in our gatherings and absent in the way that we relate to him in our pain, then we'll make, we'll make people powerful and it's really not helpful. So God, I just wanna say on our behalf that we're sorry where we've made people powerful You might want to add your sorry if that, if that resonates. Lord, we're sorry where we've looked to leaders uh, to be answers, where we've looked to leaders to, to solve a heartache that is only safe in your hands. Lord, we don't want to make Andrew or anyone else in our, in, our, in our town or in our lives, we don't want to make them middlemen or women that get in the way. We need time with you God we need direct time we need to hear the father speaking love holding us in anguish and so would you come and minister to us now as a, as a body and as individuals come Holy Spirit Father God come and be, just begin to, to speak over us You might find it helpful just to hold your hands out. It does, it's not magic. We do that because we believe that the Holy Spirit is a gift and it's just a sign that represents that. Come and gift us. Father, come and gift us with your presence.
Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I ask that in this in these moments you would well, I sense I sense God that you're just wanting to, to make sense of some of the behaviours and the patterns of thinking that that aren't aren't right. You're just wanting to transform people by the renewing of their mind in this moment. Lord, I pray for those of us who've got pain because of absent fathers, earthly fathers. Pain because of fathers who were present in a very wrong way. And when that pain drives us to control things or drives us to earthly relationships that are unhelpful, would you come and minister? Would you come and minister? Jesus. The Bible says that perfect love drives out fear. God, would you come and bring your perfect love? We just, in the name of Jesus, rebuke fear. Every, every space, every foothold, every area where fear has been energized in our lives, we rebuke it, we tell it to be gone, and we ask God that you would bring in faith. Faith that leads us to surrender, not fear that leads us to control. But let that be rooted in our Father's love. It'd be great if we could pray for some uh, individuals. I sense that <coughs> this will feel um, important for lots of us at whatever level where um, this control and surrender stuff uh, resonates. I'd love it if, if people could just come forward. It might be something that God prompted in the previous ministry time before we spoke that you just want to commit to God. It might be that you, you just need someone to be around you uh, where you're feeling vulnerable and, and where this feels a little bit raw. This is the first step in, the, in a process of uh, of, of dealing, dealing with a bit of pain. So if, if you would really find it helpful to have someone pray for you, if you want to mark that you're moving now in surrender and not, um, not in control and fear, uh, then why don't you just begin to, to come forward. We would love to pray for some people. Uh, aware that God can do stuff amongst us wherever we're sat, but it's, it, we've got some designated space down here that makes that helpful. It also means that we can um, keep an eye on what's going on down here. Brill, thanks. Why don't you come forward? If there's any aspect of your leadership, the way that you lead, where you're just aware that you've started to control, whether that's in your home, in business, the way that you're parenting, that there are ways that you have had your hands too much on a particular thing, why don't you just come forward and we'd, we'd love to pray. If, if, if we could have people from the, the family who can come and pray, that'd be great. Let's, let's not lose a moment. I think for many of, the, of us, the ministry time will look like finding a solitary place today, finding a quiet space where you can uh, 
journal a bit, write some stuff and cry out to God. Cry out to God. Don't conspire without him, cry out to him. some more people to pray if you could come forward if you'd find it more comfortable just to to grab someone sat next to you and just ask them to pray as you hold something and and let go of it just pray God that you'd lead us in surrender all across this room that how we move from here would be determined by our devotion God. Just pray for the ministry of the Father's heart just across this room. For courage and a boldness to come in connection with Him.